Welcome to The Boneyard, a podcast about Mythgard. This is episode four, a new scope. Uh, and by scope, I pretty much mean things have changed and the scope of the game is now bigger. My name is Flake and I will be your host. I am joined as always by my lovely and handsome co-host, Mark Theus. Hello, Flake. Good to be here. Not to be confused with Scope the Mouthwash, just to make that clear. Uh, not a sponsor. Hashtag not sponsor. We are happy to bring you another episode of The Boneyard and we want to start the show by thanking our sponsors, Team Rankstar, Ain't Gaming and 98.3 Media and all you wonderful listeners. Thank you for making this possible. Yeah, and uh, it's been a solid week under our belts, just in Mythgard as a whole. Uh, open beta has seen an influx of players in the early stages of the meta are kind of like in development now. They're starting to, the smoke is kind of clearing, the dust is settling, and we're starting to see a little bit of a meta. So on this episode, uh, we will be discussing how the meta has been shaping up, the overall sentiment of the games released, and how to approach the ranked ladder. That's right, Flake, and to help us break down the nitty-gritty, we will welcome to the show Toonstar of Team Rankstar. Toonstar is the very first person to attain the rank of champion on the ladder. That's right, so grab your blue milk farm boys and farm girls because these are the droids you're looking for. So let's play the music and let's enter the Boneyard. All right, so as always, we enter the episode, this being episode four, with a little bit of a state of myth guard, where we kind of just, you know, dip our toes into things and tell you what's going on. But the game's still so fresh that we can't exactly give you a very accurate you know, thermometer reading on it. Uh, basically, Mythgard's going at full speed right as uh, full speed right now. Open beta is about a week, uh, a week old already, and there's you know plenty of deck guides and discussions have begun bubbling up. You know, be it some on. big names as well. Some big names have made an appearance in the game. Oh yes, and that we're going to get to that as well, uh, which is very very great. But we can't exactly give you a full fledged sort of meta breakdown right now. But what we do promise you is that down the road we will give you a little bit of a, a snapshot of a meta report and meta analysis. Um, I think that's what's coming, right? Absolutely, yes. Something? Yeah, so we got something coming, and I got I got to check with my producer. I got to check with uh, my co-host, my uh, my brains, the whole brains of the situation. That would be Mark Theus. Um Yo. he's got everything down pat, Solid pushing stuff. all the buttons, pulling all the levers, you know, all that stuff. Oh yes, uh, uh, demand. You know, just he's the one bossing around the interns when it comes to coffee. Yeah. But uh, we will introduce to you right now the the. Uh, I don't want to see self-proclaimed because he's actually a very humble dude. But amongst the 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 myth guard uh, guards, people, the myth guardians, the myth guardians. <laughs> yes, uh, he is renowned and sort of deified already as the the top of the heap, the first person to attain the rank of champion. Uh, this is something, Mark, that you and I have talked about in terms of actually having uh, an echelon, kind of like a pro rank. Uh, above and beyond the top of the ladder, right? And now yes. we have our first superstar. We do. Our LeBron and, James of Mythgard. Oh, that's a debatable one because, well, <laughs> I guess currently right now. Yes, the first one, I guess he's the, the we can call him the first, hall, not necessarily Hall of Famer, but I mean, enshrining himself into it. This is Toonstar. So we're going to introduce Toonstar to the show. It's nice to see you, my friend. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Now, I, we don't have a red carpet because this is all, you know what, screw it. This is all audio. So we do have a red carpet and, you know, there's all kinds of great, uh, delicious um, meats and cheeses for you. Ooh, because a charcuterie. you are a, a charcuterie indeed. That is it. Mark, thank you very much for 
We're producing this. Yes. Actually, you know what? This is maybe this is what was left over from Noah's last podcast because he did was pretty nifty in the kitchen, right? So maybe yeah, just yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but con- first of all, uh, first things in order, Toon Stars. Congratulations to you for hitting um, for hitting champions rank. All right. Thank you very much. It was quite a grind. I could imagine, and that that that's what I want to get to eventually. But I guess the first thing that uh, we should probably dig into a little bit deeper here is that, you know, getting through the ladder is one thing. Getting to the top tiers is another thing. But being the top of the mountain, the actual pinnacle of the ranked ladder is a whole other echelon. And I want to know, you know, about your CCG background, about becoming, um, you know, not just what, what, you know, what kind of background you have to get to that point where you can actually just climb as steady as you have and be the top of the heap? Okay, that's a, a big question there. I've got about 17 and a half years in different CCGs and TCGs now, starting with Yu-Gi-Oh! as quite a few people I can imagine did as kids. We all watched the TV show. Right. Well, I, I mean, Yo- so Yu-Gi-Oh! is the one that I've never really had any actual experience with. Everyone except I, for Flake. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently so. <laughs> Am I in the vast minority on this when I say that I've played Pokemon, I've played, you know, Star Wars card games, all kinds of other card games, Magic, etc. But Yu-Gi-Oh! is the one that, I guess, escaped me, and I, I apparently am the pariah of this entire operation. Uh, no, I think Yu-Gi-Oh! started to get popular, like, for you and me, like, right when we were starting to, like, get into, like, Magic or, like, something larger, you know? Like, so Yu-Gi-Oh! came on the scene... Yeah, everyone did Pokemon, right, when you're in school, and, like, I think Yu-Gi-Oh! came on the scene, like, right when we were about out of that realm of getting into a game like that. But that's just my speculation on it. I guess. So you have all this background, 17 and a half years, Yu-Gi-Oh, et cetera. And how did that translate? How did you sort of dip into all that, ba- all that uh, experience and, and moving through? Well, ultimately, I am a competitive person. I play card games because I love having a defined winner when it comes to a competition. And a lot of theory and lessons you can learn in any card game translate to the next one. So you can learn how to play, what makes a good deck, and those actual theories that end up transforming into you winning a game, and it carries you throughout just about any CCG you've ever played. That's a, that's an interesting thing, because it, I completely agree with you in that regard, because there's a lot of uh, you know points of interest from various card games, sort of tips and tricks that you kind of pick up through experience from card game to card game that are universal. and. Um, I, I, when I stream and I'm, I'm always guilty sometimes of not being more beginner friendly when I stream. And a lot of that is because I have 20 years of experience of card gaming. So sometimes it's like, I'm all for explaining card games, but at the time, a lot of it is just muscle memory of just playing the the game. But, you know, um, Mark's, you and I have played a plethora of different games back and forth, but there's always, there's always those tips and tricks that, that are universal, that are transcend card games. And, um, you know, I think we can all sort of toss one in here. I'll start with you, Toonstar. What would be one of those tips or tricks that you've kind of brought with you from other card games that's applicable to Mythgard? Well, that is a, that is an absolute tough one. I suppose the biggest, biggest tip that I have to sell and I try to tell everyone I can is you can take your time. You don't have to rush and reading your card would carry you further than anything else in this game. Oh, Oh. Mark. (laughs) The best advice reading the cards. (laughs) 
Yes. See, this is a, a point of contention that Mark and I have had for many, many times where I, I and I completely agree with you, Toonstar. And this is the one tip that I gave in a previous episode when we're talking about beginners and what's the best way, you know, tips to learn. And I always say, read the damn cards, you know, whether <laughs> you play them or not, it's always important that if there's a card on the board that you should know what it does. Mark, what about you? I, you know, I was, he took mine. I was going to use that one. <laughs> I was going to use read the cards. Uh, I, I will. I am proud of you, though, that you're you're actually taking some you. of that Thank advice. I, I read I read cards now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine's more of like a strategy situation. I always say uh, my my advice that I carry with me in every game is when you're first getting into a game is is pretty much just pick your style, find your style first. So you know, no matter what, like my favorite style is aggro. So I always try to look for what's the best way to do aggro in this game, and then I'll start to build my collection around that. So play to what you're strong at, not to what everyone says is the best deck or says, oh, you should play it this way. Play to how, what you're comfortable with doing. That's my advice. Right. And that's that's and, you know, I'm going to add on to this little tip pool here as well, because I think that there's a lot of different like knowing your style is more of something that's sort of mid range through your career, like in the midpoint, once you start getting introduced and you kind of know what you like reading the cards and knowing and taking your time is very beginner friendly. And if I'm going to take something a little bit further down, something that's applicable to again, all card games is understanding the meta that you're playing in, I think is something that can transcend, uh, you know, various different card games is that if you know what the, the environment of the climate is, you know, whether it's the same thing as leaving your house. If it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's hot outside, you're not going to take a, a, you know, you're not going to put a parka on when it's, you know, 90 degrees outside. At the same time, you're not going to, you know, wear a, a raincoat in a blizzard kind of thing. <laughs> it might be helpful. You might get through it, but it's not, it's going to be a painful experience. So knowing the climate that you're going into is also uh, an important element. And um, for you, Tune, I mean, <clears throat> taking these tips, taking all this experience, uh, it's st- it was still a, 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 an interesting, or rather not interesting, but it's a, a treacherous grind because not only did you do it, but you did it in a in spectacular, quick fashion. And what drove you, first of all, to to say I'm going to be the first one? Well, being the being champion is something a lot of people are going to strive for, and it's something a lot of people are going to achieve. But there's only ever going to be one first champion especially <laughs> after just coming out of a wipe and you could say that's what drove me is that i had a chance to even if i'm not the best player in the game even if i don't stick with this game forever which i might actually end up doing this game's incredible but no one can ever take away i was first someone can take away top spot no one can ever take away i was first that's true that's- Your, his name is forever engraved <laughs> Well, that's it. And I, I, I've said this before. I mean, you could be best or you can be first. And that's how you're remembered, more or less. I don't know. You're the I first mean, or you're last. That's what Ricky Bobby told us. So I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess. I mean, that was a, he said a lot of things. He also had kids named Walker and Texas Rangers. So <laughs> his, his, clearly his judgment was on point. But no, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and that in itself is a very, very motivating factor to be the first one, right? And now we know that you did it. You're the first one. And it's not like it's a matter of, it wasn't a rat race where sometimes you just kind of, you stumble upon it. It wasn't a buried treasure that you just stubbed your toe on and found it. This is something that you work towards and you actually have to have the skill set to get there. But, um, you know, 
you did it in record pace. How much time did you put in per day? And like, what was your clip, your like win rate clip from the beginning to end? Oh, see, the, I don't want to talk about the amount of time I spent. That's a that's a scary path. <laughs> it was at least six hours a day at at absolute minimum, often eight or more because I just God. had the time. And that's what it's what uh, gave me the option to say, hey, I want to do this simply because I had the time to achieve it. I was going to say, so, some would say that those are even like rookie numbers, <laughs> like to a degree. <laughs> but you, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not an impressive feat because holy crap it is. Because I'll stream maybe five to six hours a day and I'm of non-competitive sort of, you know, silver silver tier rank play. And I'm just like exhausted. And after that, I'm like, I can't do it. So, uh, you know, kudos to you to keep your heads about it too. I was just going to say, I was watching your stream the other day. And you mentioned something or you mentioned that the way that they change the uh, the, the the way that you match up and from alpha to beta, the way that you match up, it took you an incredibly long time to find matches in high ranked mithril. Right. <laughs> so like how, what is it even like in, in cha- like, do you even get a match in champion? Like, what do you match up with? Do you match up with other mithrils there? Uh, there definitely was a time period in the alpha where they did try to solidify matchmaking and we ended up having like 10 minute queues just constantly and it was was awful (laughs) yeah that's terrible well you're trying to find someone that's kind of in your in in your wheelhouse right you don't want to go ahead and just absolutely ruin some kid's day who's just trying out the game um i mean as nice as it is sometimes for me to just get queued up against the the ai and just kick the crap out of it for some really cheap easy points sometimes uh, at the same time it's like it kind of felt bad i'm like yeah it cheapens the whole experience sounds like overwatch has that issue right now i know it's a completely different games but they've introduced like rule queue where you have to pick the kind of like character that you're going to play like the whether it's support tank or dps and the problem is is that it went from you know one to two minute queue times to find a full six on six to i played last night and we played three games in an hour because it took about you know 12 to 15 minutes to find a game sometimes it was absurd but it's it is what it is but again you can't take that away from you man you are number one which is a spectacular spectacular thing and um just you know now that that's under your belt are you playing are you continuing to play on ranked are you just kind of dicking around and trying new things are you taking some time off oh no i'm, I'm absolutely still playing around on ranked I, I love this game and it definitely feels my void of needing to have a competitive outlet and right now, it's no longer that crazy grind. I'm no longer playing the same deck 100 games a day. It's trying out new things, playing decks, being able to test again without the fear of losing the race, so to speak. That's part of the fun is just being able to have no consequence, I guess, you know, yeah, until, when you sort of cross the finish line. Until the next person gets in the champion, then you got to be number one. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good point. Right. Uh, assuming someone, you know, let's say right Endoza's now. Endoza is close, right? I think. Endoza, I think, is the closest if we're, if we're going to name names. Well, that's the thing. And I wanted to get into this as well is that at the time of this recording, we're recording this on Monday, September 23rd. So we're a little bit uh, ahead of schedule in terms of when we normally do this, but it doesn't matter. So when you're listening to this, you're in the future. We might, Mark and I might not even be around anymore. We might have been abducted <laughs> by aliens. Hey, Toon's already in the future. It's Tuesday for him. Oh, that's true. You <laughs> Australian future. Oh, my God. We did this with Eolus already where we asked her about the, you know, what are, what are the lottery numbers? And yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> Pretty sure she called me a butthead, but that's okay. That's normal. Um, but 
Let's say today, right now, someone goes in, hops into champions and overtakes you and you're number two. Are you right back at it? Do you have that competitive fire? Has it, is it still burning within you to go ahead and get that next spot? I, I would 100% immediately take back to trying to take that spot back. Ruthless. <laughs> he is ruthless. This is the kind of little, these are the things that, you know, separate me from, as I drop some dice on the floor. They all came up, they all came up aces, so it's okay. I guess I have dice with aces on them. The He's making you lie. lose your marbles, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've lost my mind just thinking about it. But it's, it, it's just, a, that's what separates certain players from others, is the fact that I am content with just getting into mythic, just getting into pro rank, just getting legend. I don't need to push my luck in any way shape or form but Toonstar, what is that drive what what is you know pushing you to be number one uh winning tournaments in my early youth is just one of the best feelings i can't describe and that carries over to this day essentially it's like when you have put in some time you put in some effort you've tested a deck and it rewards you, you it's a good feeling yeah, that, that's gratification. It's it's justification. It's uh, it's it, it, it legitimizes your stake at that point, and I completely understand that point of view. I mean, you you want to be revered, like you think you're good, you you're confident, but until you have a ladder placement, until you have a tournament win, let's say, or a top eight to a degree, um, you know, it's never actually justified. It's never stamped and sealed as, uh, you know, um as le- as a legitimate claim you need something to validate it to a degree and uh i, I can i i can definitely assume then that you're going to be uh you know partaking in uh, the tournament scene that's going to be developing over over i guess the next few months i don't know uh, i have no secret information i don't think mark has any secret information that we can share necessarily but as tournaments sort of sprout up will you be diving in head first do you want to be the guy who wins tournaments or do you just want to be the guy who, who places on ladder i want to be the guy who consistently top fours and top eights tournaments and occasionally wins one all right, so there's a, there's a little bit of uh, you know you're not exactly the most bloodthirsty guy on on the ladder because you're content with the top eight. That's like saying, all right, well you know we didn't necessarily win the war, but you know we weren't invaded either, and that's okay with me, I guess. Uh, that's a that's a good good point to bring up. It's um I'm content with top eight because I in my head I accept that card games are not something that I can win 100% of games of, and that's just never going to happen. You aim for that 66% win rate to make sure you win two out of three, win every match and just keep going forward. You just make sure that if you're consistent and you're consistently good, the variance won't keep you out of top. Eventually. That is the most realistic answer I've ever heard from a pro pro player. (laughs) Oh, it makes sense too. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Because frankly, in card games with the amount of variance involved with card draw and matchups, et cetera, like, in, in a game of tennis, let's say, you're both going in with a pair of sneakers, a tennis racket, and this, you're hitting the same ball back and forth. So it's it's you're relying on your skill for the most part. And obviously the, the court, you know, has a certain uh, impact on it. You might be better or worse on certain terrain, let's say. But at the end of the day, you know, in a card game, you're bringing a completely different toolbox to the to the problem than your opponent might be. So, um, you know, it's it's very unlikely to 
to expect to have a win rate above 65% consistently. The greatest card players in the world in whatever games that they're playing are most likely going to finish their careers just above 60% on any type of pro circuit. Um, you know, if you're approaching 70%, that's Hall of Fame legendary worthy in, in my estimation. Again, you can kind of challenge me on this. I, I completely, this is just off the top of my head for the most part. But I mean, in every single pro scene I've ever followed or been interested in, typically those who attain those top eights uh, are not exactly winning every single tournament, winning every single tournament. They're, they're, they're gaining their reputation on the fact that they're con- playing consistently well to the point where they're, they're that top layer, that top echelon of player. But still, at the end of the day, they're just banking on a 65% win rate. They're not looking to just cruise through winning 80 to 90% of their games. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just not possible, right? Yes and no. So, depending on the metagame. So, that's the thing about card games. That's what draws so many people is mm-hmm. that if we go with it again with a sports analogy, right, playing tennis, you're playing with the same racket, you're playing with the same ball, same sneakers, same court. The thing that card games allude to a lot more is the crowd. If you've ever played a game of sport and the crowd's not on your side, it is soul crushing. It feels like you are trudging uphill through five feet of mud. And that's what a bad matchup feels like in this game. And that's why I suppose net decking in itself gets that bad rep again because it's all about that deck building. When you bring a deck that no one else has seen yet and it has a good matchup into the established meta, you suddenly aren't looking at a 60% win rate. You're looking at that 80 plus. And that's what drives these incredibly innovative decks that we see brought to tournaments. It's a really interesting take on it. The fact that you're equating, um, you know, that, that fan, that home field advantage, that fan support perspective to being into a good, uh, you know, in, you know, queuing into a good matchup when you kind of know, that this is going to work out or it's, it's, you know, unless everything goes haywire, there's a 90% chance that I walk out of this with an easy victory. And, you know, seeing this from a, an esports perspective, from a, a, a spectator's perspective, uh, when you're watching these matches, it's the same thing because no one's going to necessarily cheer for the net deck. I mean, like if we're going to take it out of another, another game, let's say like nobody's going to cheer for the Esper control player out of magic and no one's going to cheer <laughs> for the, the the no unit artifact player out of Gwent, you know, like those very slow, methodical, boring, grindy, controlly, no action type games. But the, the one who's slamming the dinosaurs down and rushing face and going haywire, those are the ones that are going to get the crowd support. And I, I kind of like that that mentality as well. Flake, uh, flake, mono red. Okay, it applies in magic. It applies in Mythgard. Mono red. Oh my god! We're gonna get you off that illness, my no, friend. No, aggro is faces the place. Like that is like the most common thing in every card game. Faces the place. I don't know if Yu-Gi-Oh had face tune, but you have to agree. Face is always the place. Face is the place sometimes, and Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> most certainly had those decks that would just where people could not stand you for bringing this deck to a tournament. And I had those decks where you brought this deck to the tournament. You are suddenly the most popular man in the room. What happened? <laughs> I'm so that guy. That, I always have a deck that everyone hates. But what's that deck right now in Mythgard? Uh, you know, out of all your experience. Oh, I can tell you. I can tell you. 
Oh, hit me! Well, per- you seem to be- personally, I could tell you, I hate any deck that runs Armageddon Angel. I hate that card with a passion. Even though I played it myself at one point, but my <laughs> yeah. God, I hate orange so much. Orange is the most obnoxious color, in my opinion. But I'm sure that that's just subjective. So, so you weren't around then when the Armageddon Angel loop deck was around, and we were casting Armageddon Angel at least seven times a game. Oh my, that sounds horrible. Oh, thank God I wasn't around for that. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah, you have the uh, you know you have the pedigree now of being around for quite a while with this game, and you know if you were to evaluate the meta right now, um, you know you you cruise through it at the breakneck speeds, and you've gone from you know where everyone started off at the beginning, and you just cruise right through it. What are you feeling at terms of the top of the meta? Like, what is your assessment of it right now? We don't have a meta snapshot. There's people working on that to assess, but I think it's still too early necessarily to have a, a, a cemented meta snapshot. But based on what you've seen at the top, going through those ranks, what is king? What is overhyped? What is not worth your time in terms of what you yourself have seen? Okay, so the meta right now, from what I've seen, is quite literally primordial soup. It is a complete mess. Everything has been tumbled around. Everything is jumbled around together. Uh, climbing the ladder, for example, the three peop- um, the four people that played the most, I think, myself, Days Undoing, Endozoa, and Cruel were quite literally playing ex- almost exclusively blue, red, and orange in various combinations. And it was just, it was mid-range soup. It was us slinging fatties. It was us slinging removal. It was us doing a whole bunch of nonsense. Uh, then I tried to go over the top with a, a more value-orientated grind list. And then Krulchek went underneath with aggro. Uh, Days Undoing slapped about 20 Mythics into his deck and just went to ham value town. And it just keeps evolving. We're starting to see the emergence of controlling strategies again. But everyone is still experimenting. No one knows what is good no one knows what is bad except maybe dora but that card's too cute to really be bad but yeah it's just primordial soup we're still just waiting to see what actually emerges in the end i don't know i've seen seen a lot of big ones i I was just gonna say i've seen a lot of big units that's kind of like if we're gonna if we're gonna try to make a meta i think like personally maybe it's just because of i'm in sil i'm a scrub in silver so i maybe i don't know anything but (laughs) but i've seen a lot of uh large units and heavy control surrounding that (laughs) Like every time I try to play aggro, I just get completely like it's just everything's getting cleared. But uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's just in silver. It's like that. I think a lot of it is, has to do with just the understanding now that people are realizing that your life total is as much of a resource as your mana pool is. Wherein aggro can be great, aggro can be uh, you know create some nail biting moments. But eventually, if you can just you know withstand the initial storm and even if you're a win with one life or a win with a thousand life is still a win so being able to play a little you know further deeper down the spectrum of 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 uh you know the the strength of your units if you can just establish a little bit of removal and and stabilization eventually you'll be able to go over the top and and to your point mark you're right i'm seeing a lot of um I'm I'm in like S I don't know 08 or something like that and yeah, so you know uh, you see the same thing right a lot of big units yeah and and yeah. that's a lot of it and a lot of these these decks that like to go go wide are being punished by uh, units that that just go over the top or are bigger badder nastier and have overrun that just cruise through it 
And eventually, you know, you're, it's, it's not that it's just a matter of come from behind victories, but they're a matter of eventually your opponent just runs out of gas or they just cannot get through your big, your, your big baddies. And um, it, it makes for uncomfortable situations. You, you're always feeling the heat early, but aggro just seems to be running out of gas. And this is something that I was completely, you know, uh, uh, wrong about when I thought that the game was heavily leaning aggro and that control had no options. And apparently, even at the top of the of the heap, it seems like mid range to to control um, is is taking the cake. Toonstar, I know that. If you were to evaluate um, the strength of aggro versus control, or even some, you know, a mid range, a more mid range build, uh, is the game leaning more towards one side, uh, you know, or is it just a matter of the meta is is constantly going to be in flux, where it might lean aggro one day or it might lean control? Because certain games sometimes just favor one one archetype versus another. It's just the fact of the matter. You know, the game is definitely still in a lot of flux and on some days i will face nothing but aggro and some days i will face five control matchups in a day uh i think the symptoms we're seeing especially on the lower tier ladders because i have seen every time i get matched into a silver player or even a low gold high bronze player is they're playing fatties and it's because that deck is easy to understand it's easy to see what it does and it's easy to get the cards for it like you might not have the huge bombs like sapo the the Devourer, which comes in with huge stats and an effect. But everyone has access to Volkov Heavy. Everyone has access to Black and Jotun. And they're just five-cost balls of stats with Overrun. And you'll see them everywhere. Fatties is my new favorite word for this. Fatties. I thought that, I thought that <laughs> you know, I, I was just so enamored with the internet, the whole, the whole internet, uh, you know, enamored with the fact that the whole clapping ass clapping alien ass cheeks and stuff like that like what I are you talking was, about what what are you talking about <laughs> we just raided area 51 the whole point of it was to clap yeah. alien ass there was <laughs> what was it two million people signed up i think what tw- 70 or something showed <laughs> how many it was like yeah. something really sad it sounded exactly it sounded like when you have like uh, 500 people booked for a tournament and only 20 end up showing up you know <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially every facebook reunion you've ever seen in your yeah. life was essentially what happened right there but um fatties uh no but i i'm sorry i'm just i love it but um you're right and and that's the point is that it's not necessarily going to be a game that is leaning towards the fact that you have to be a whale in order to hit the top of the ladder because there are cheaper options that are equally effective um and like you said i mean if you're going to be playing aggro a lot of the cheaper cards are are leaning more towards that archetype um so with that ladder business kind of put to bed, you got there, you conquered it, you're already to the top. What kind of tournament scene are you hoping comes? Because I know you said you want to, you know, dive in head first into the tournament scene. What are you hoping, uh, you know, Rhino has in store from an esports perspective? I've asked a few people, but you are clearly right now head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of, of the competitive side. We've asked people who play casually we've asked people who you know broadcast the game but you as a competitor what are you looking to find from an esports scene oh that's uh that's a very good question uh first thing that i definitely need to clarify as always for those at home is that i was the first at the top but i'm by no means the best player in Mythgard at all there are so many people that i consider better than me already that i'm still learning from 
on the point of tournaments, the thing that I want to see and the thing I want to see from most games is you need lots of small and mid-sized tournaments to keep something going. You need those weekly five night uh Friday night magics. You need those year regionals and then you need the big invite events. You need the huge uh was it pro tour from magic you need that you need that pro scene but then you need all the mid-tier and small stuff that people can just enjoy the competitive nature of without having to be in that upper one percent that's always a a healthy injection into the the game itself into the community is when you have outlets for people who are not necessarily uh vying for champion ladder points you know to qualify for a qualifier that if they win they become you know uh, they get a chance at a big prize at a bigger tournament and somewhere down the line no you have to have some kind of infrastructure tournament infrastructure that is possibly even curated by the community itself because that like you said that that adds that spice and it gives people that extra drive um you know Mark is intimately, you're intimately involved in the tournament scene yourself. Mm -hmm. And I know that, I mean, you've done a lot of these little tournaments, either as a player or as a producer, as a behind the scenes, as an organizer. Like, what does this mean when you have this, this amount of, you know, those extra little tournaments that are not the big one, so to speak? Yeah, uh, we talked about this on, um, I think with Eolus, uh, we talked about that kind of tournament situation where it was like, the big tournaments are great. Because you want those big tournaments to, you know, you get the you get the top players that go to those and all that. But you got to have the small ones for not only fun for the community, but also so that other people can get practice. So that smaller, uh, smaller players who are on the level of who can compete at that level have a platform to, you know, show that they can do that. And so I think like a good, healthy mix of big, big pro tournaments um, semi-pro tournaments, which would be ones that aren't part of like the major circuit, but give you points towards the major circuit and then completely amateur, you know, community tournaments. I think the healthy combination of all those three makes for a great esports scene for any game. And if you look at any successful esports scene of, of CCGs or not even CCGs for that matter, any game really, um, that's the, that's the trifecta that they, that they have to grab. Grassroots is super important. It just, it's, it's yeah. the reality of it. Um, being able to have a community that's not just interested in the game, but are supported in terms of actually creating their own competitive environment. Um, I, and I don't doubt that Rhino probably has something brewing. And because we we spoke to Leo on the first episode where we spoke, you know, we talked to him and asked him about um, the prospects of esports, and they're like, "Yeah, we got something cooking up. Don't worry about it." But what that is, we don't know, and how to qualify for it, we don't know. I mean, the clues are there with champions rank and that kind of thing. They wouldn't have announced champions rank if it didn't have um, some type of implication to uh, a bigger picture of esports and and competitiveness. But um, I mean, as the only guy on the champions rank, will you be gunning for that? Like some people tune are, are very much the types where once that big prize, that big circuit is, announced and they know that they have the chops to actually potentially make it is this something that you'll actually you'll you'll sort of find a new gear for and go full force i think 100 of the time that if they announce such a thing i will be gearing for it 
I might not even gear for it as a player, though. That's the interesting thing. Um, part of my 17 years of TCG experience, and this is, I think, a bit relevant to my tournament uh, views, is actually I've got seven years as a tournament judge for Yu-Gi-Oh! Both as uh, your average floor judge you see at every Magic event, but also as part of the head judge team. So I've been on that other side of the table where two players are sweating bullets watching the clock, and I just get to stand there and watch a competitive game of cards. So... Who knows? But if there's a tournament scene, I'm going to be involved some way, somehow, whether or not I'm aiming for the top or helping on the side. It's a different, it's a di- whole different world of, you know, being somebody who just wants to be the ladder player and who wants to be the tournament player. And preparing for both is a different story because usually when you're grinding ladder and you want to make a splash on ladder and progress through the ladder, a lot of it is just reps. It's just putting in the games and getting a constant feel for what the meta is and making sure that your, your, your deck is perfectly tuned to ride those waves that are, you know, that you're, 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 you're surrounded by when you're on the ladder, but tournaments, different story, man. Like it's just, bringing that one deck to the tournament you have to make sure that you know who you're playing against what the meta is the tournament meta and and the top eight in itself is a whole different story but you know if you're if you're already devoting six to eight hours of competitive high level play just to attain the top of the mountain you know that's just the first steps and that's what could be scary for for some but you know for you it seems like uh, you're you're just happy to be involved uh, in any capacity, and that's really really damn cool. Um, you know, for myself, I don't play the competitive aspect of it. I'm more on the broadcast side. Same thing with Mark. We're both kind of you know we're on the production level yeah, of it. But. We're behind the scenes. Well, you're well, you're not behind the scenes, but we're we're, uh, we're production side people. You know, we can we can hold our own on a ladder, but we're production side people. So it's always a pleasure to talk to someone that actually knows both sides. Because like you said, you judged. Uh, as well it's isn't it interesting like it's such a different experience going from playing at a high level to then judging at a high level and it's like it's such a different experience altogether it's absolutely hilarious how much the experience is different i still remember the first uh, major Yu-Gi-Oh tournament here in australia that i actually got a top 16 for was after i had started my judging career and i had more than one player throughout the day come up to me and be like so I just always thought judges uh, judged because they couldn't play the game well. And <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it, it comes up. It really does. And I think yeah. it's important as well for anyone who wants a tournament scene to do well. So not, not just be part of it, but wants the scene to um, perform, do well and exist, needs to know what happens on both sides of the fence. Like, especially esports, especially coverage, like those massive football, games we see these massive tournaments packed full of people they don't happen without the production side people they don't happen without the event stuff there's so much more to it that goes into it than just having a game that's good and having the players be good at that game yeah there's a reason why uh, especially in sports um x players make the best broadcasters because they know exactly what they're talking about when they say things like oh this player's thinking this or the coach is probably thinking this because they know because they've been there they know exactly what's going on in that moment and that makes sense. You know, Flake can attest to this too. Like, I know when, when if we're getting into, you know, if Flake gets hired for something or I'm putting on a new production for something, the first thing we do is, well, I've never played the game before. Let me go play it for, you know, a couple hours or not even just a couple hours. You could play it for like a week or a month and get into the game and learn all the oh ins and outs so that I know exactly what's going on. So you don't go into the tournament day being like, what is this again? 
Is it a card I got, game? <laughs> I, I got hired for League of Legends, and I had never touched that game in my entire life. And you had and to play then. <laughs> I didn't have to cast it. They thought I was going to be a caster, and I said, no, 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 we need to be very clear about this, that I do not have the chops to be a caster because I don't know anything. And if you want to talk about a game that has infinite freaking depth, League of Legends is ab- uh, absurd. Between the combinations of items and the hundreds of, or you know, over a hundred different characters that you can select, four get it however when i was hired for it and they knew exactly the fact that i knew nothing about the game i i was there to host the event interview the winners and losers and to sign off and say adios and introduce the players etc yeah well that's a little easier that's a little easier though you know oh yeah for sure because all i had to do is just make sure that i pronounced their names right and they were all using screen names so it's like is your name you know sheep spanker 48 perfect all right good it's not spanker it's spanker i just want to make sure (laughs) <laughs> right, but I I still put in. I I honestly I put in uh, about three to four hours a day playing League of Legends, leading like for about two or three weeks leading up to it because I wanted to know what the hell I was talking about, and that's definitely part of it. And same thing when I was casting Gwent Masters. You know, it's it's I left. My goal was I'm like I'm gonna hit pro rank so that when all those donkeys in in Twitch chat think I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I am ranked well above them. So. When I left for Gwent Challenger, I was ranked 149th in in the world at the time. Now that has since decayed, but I like <laughs> I did I pulled a Toon Star and I freaking high geared it into pro rank before. Yeah, most you, people you picked could. the most cancer deck and just rode that train for like three days. You're damn <laughs> right I did. And then I wrote an article about it too. You did. Suckers, <laughs> hell yes, I have no shame about it, but. Part of that as well, I mean, beyond the fact that, you know, Toonstar is now, you're establishing yourself on the scene as not just a great player, but also a great streamer as well. And um, the game being out in in open beta now has attracted some other fairly significant names that I want to get to. Um, Now, standard marketing strategy, I would imagine, from a lot of these different games that come out is you want to make sure that you get a a decent amount of eyes on a game and to do so you it's no secret man you just pay people to play the game but there have been some people who have been playing the game unsponsored and actually raving about it one uh notable one would be noxious of of magic fame uh noxious is someone who's actually he's played gwent he's played um variety of games which now he's in his niche being magic but he played Mythgard unsponsored and was very adamant about telling people that he was not being sponsored because he wanted people to trust his positive reviews about the game and not just be pulled out of 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 you know his uh, assessment of it as being you know oh it's just a paid you're just a paid shill so you have to say something nice. He was very 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 on the mark to say no 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 I am unsponsored and here is my assessment now. Tune, what does something like that do for the game, like in, in your estimation, when someone like Noxious comes in unsponsored and praises the game? Uh, it's a really huge impact on not so much the amount of people that are going to play the game long term, but the amount of people that are going to give the game a shot. And that's what you need. You need people to say, hey, I'm not going to read this book tonight. I'm not going to order a pizza. I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to say, I'm going to give this game a shot. And that's the breaking factor. Whoa, whoa. What Mythgard does pizza is- have to do with it? What is pizza? Why don't we, why don't we order the pizza and play Mythgard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I feel that that's almost disrespectful to pizza. The multitask <laughs> while enjoying a fantastic slide. Fair enough. Now, 
I mean, Noxious steps in. He says some great things about the game. And, and you're right. I mean, it's not necessarily going to grow um, the game in in terms of actually keeping people stuck to it. But, but more eyes is more eyes, and giving it a shot is another thing. And, and that's how I got into it. Enough people I saw were playing it and praising it, and I gave it a shot. And it's not going to be for everyone, because let's be honest, um, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it is what it is. But we've seen growth on Reddit just in the past few days. You know, Reddit, the Reddit population has gone from the mid to, you know, mid mid 700s to now exceeding, you know, a thousand people to twelve hundred or so. I'd estimate by the time that this uh, podcast gets published that the Mythgard uh, Reddit population will most likely exceed about twelve to thirteen hundred people, um, which essentially is close to double what it was about a week or so ago. Yeah, that's been growing already... big time. That actually grew a lot this week, which is nice to see. Oh, it's definitely, definitely nice to see. Um, and and Toonstar, I mean, your content that you've been putting out from the form of streams, etc. You know what? What are you when you see other big streamers? Uh, you know, coming in and I don't want to say taking the limelight, but, you know, there's certain people who kind of get into the game from the, the base state and feel like they kind of not that they're they own it, but it's like this is my domain. I don't know how I feel about other people coming in. So when you see other streamers coming in um, and and playing it, either sponsored or unsponsored, is that kind of feel like you're stepping on toes? Is that not necessarily the best way to approach it? Or, or how do you feel about that? It is truly unfortunate when someone with a reputation comes in and they take the limelight for a second. It, it, it truly is. But ultimately, we've seen this with a lot of games. As far as I feel, I think the small downsides, as much as it hurts as small content producers, is going to be outweighed by the benefits long-term if these eyes on the game end up sticking with it. If the ultimate product of Mythgard is good enough, that it takes these massive two to 5,000 uh, viewer streams and it keeps some of those people, well, then that ultimately, I think, will come back and benefit me as a small content creator. And I truly believe Mythgard is the game that has that kind of um, grasp. It has that ability to grab these people and enthrall them. It, it does have, um, you know, I, to quote noxious stream i think his stream title said something like best mana system ever quote yeah. you know like question mark <laughs> yeah that's a that's a very great endorsement for a game where people are are always curious about the fairness and the resource management pool yeah that was his favorite part actually because he he went into a lot of detail about that comparing the mana system to a couple other games and what and why this one was better and that was like his favorite part about it. And I actually agree with him because that was something that I also thought when I originally got into the game was that this mana system feels good because you don't feel bad uh, burning cards. You know you're getting it back. You don't feel bad when you, you know, you have the, it, the way it works with gems and mana. It's just like, it just feels good. It doesn't feel, you don't feel like you're getting land screwed. You don't feel like you're getting mana turn screwed, you know, uh, or any of those kind of things. Like it just feels nice. And like we said, when someone with that kind of clout within the community or the gaming community makes an endorsement like that, it, it can only be good. And sometimes, and I'm, I, you know, I sometimes feel this way sometimes as well, where you got to put your ego aside and be like, you know what? Good. More the merrier. You get in here and put some eyes on the game because it's only going to grow it. And whether they stay, they stay. Whether they don't, they don't. That's up to them. Some of these people are just guns for hire when they come into these games and play them. And it's a marketing strategy. These are as much businessmen as they are 
uh, or businessmen and women as they are, you know, um, uh, enjoyers of games. They have bills to pay. They have uh, deals that they have to keep. Pizzas to buy. Pizzas to buy as well. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, I got to call Ben at Domino's. Oh, a, God, what a reference. That's, <laughs> that one takes me back. That's old school flake. That's old school that flake stream reference. Big, that's three row Gwent flake. Is yeah. That is. Oh, wow. That was a long time that's ago. That's a long time ago. Um, so, <laughs> Tune, with that said, my friend, I mean, you're, you are right now the, the head honcho of the ladder. And, and I want to ask you some of your advice in terms of what you can tell someone who is who wants to attain champions rank what are some tips and tricks that that might have helped you keep a level head as well as as win more games than you lose on the ladder oh this is always a good question and number number one thing to performing well on any game that's going to require you to play a lot of it is to enjoy it you you can't sit there and grind ladder with a deck that's good you can't stand playing like <laughs> you'll get an hour at most and you'll go home or at least you'll turn off your computer and do something different yeah, other yeah, than yeah, that yeah go ahead yeah other than that it's um and this is something that i find super unique to Mythgard. go watch some games um the replay system and the spectator system in this game is absolutely phenomenal i can be in queue waiting for my next high level match watching the other two mithril players that are my closest competition duking it out and that just is it's ludicrous to think that that's something we can do like i shouldn't be able to sit there and watch know what my opponents are playing see how they responded to threats and then have to play them playing some of the same threats myself it really is an edge if you're willing to um put in that time that's a very, very valid point is when you're at the top of the ladder and you know that you're most likely going to be queuing into the same, you know, handful of people in order to sort of duke it out at that point. This might be something that we need to talk to Rhino about and say, maybe this is an option that people should be able to shut off for in, in terms of actual spectation, uh, you know, spectating their their matches. Because if you know that you're you're going to be fighting the same five people moving forward. You could just queue into their games for about an hour, write down their deck lists, and then know exactly what they've got coming down the pipe, right? Oh, it's certainly something you can do, but I, oh, I you think can't see the hand though, right? It's a good thing. You can't, you see, can't the see the hand. The hand. Yeah. No, oh. you can see just the field, no private information. In replays, so once a game has finished, you can see everything. But live games, you can only see what you would be able to see while you're the player itself. And I think that's a perfectly healthy system. Like to me, that's no different to me finishing my game early in a paper tournament and then walking around tables one through 10 just to see what's going on. Well, I've been there. I'm like, I don't want to face you. That's a lot of lightning bolts. No, thank you. Keep going. <laughs> Not my friend. All right. Well, that those are that's some sage advice over there, especially enjoying it. Um, you know, I know that I've, I've preached this to Mark a lot is that I don't play games that I don't enjoy. And, you know, I've had to, I've had to, pontificate about this to to viewers who come in and say why aren't you playing this well, i don't can enjoy it right now like i don't yeah. like it today tomorrow i might like it today i like you know um freaking sausage and onion on pizza tomorrow might be pineapple and ham mofo like just back off kind of thing and enjoying it is what allows you i would imagine to and you could you could attest to this to queuing you know queuing into your 25th game in a row because if you don't like it you just want to go ahead and 
say screw it and just walk away from it and have no d- desire and drive. You don't. You don't. Uh, uh, you don't enjoy the. You don't play games. You don't enjoy. You don't enjoy the games that you play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a bumper sticker. Oh, there was there was actually a point where I I I hit M10 like I hit the top of Mithril and I said, all right, no, I I cannot play the game in my current level of hype to the ability that I need to to make sure I can get into um champion. So I walked away from the game for about two hours that day and I I just sat down and I watched Endozoa's stream instead. And there was a point where he and I were talking about something in chat and then he's like, let's go look at your replay history tune and. The replay history apparently shows your last 100 games on your profile if you don't have it set to private. And he scrolled down to the bottom of these 100 games and it said one day. I had apparently played over 100 ladder games in a single 24-hour period. And he was just like, you're insane, man. You're, you're just a- actually insane. That's disgusting. <laughs> that's just disgusting. No, it's inspiring. Because <laughs> yeah, I guess. guaranteed... There's, you know, little Jimmy Thompson right now listening to the podcast who's wondering about, can he do it? Can he make it to the top of the ladder? And what does he hear? He hears that Toonstar, the best player, statistically, on the ladder right now, <laughs> who has just done it because he put in 100 games in a 24-hour period. Screw your homework, little Jimmy Thompson, because you've got some Mythgard to play. And I do encourage you to, A, stay in school, B, drink responsibly, and see, I don't, I don't know. Eat your vegetables and listen to your mom, dude. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, if if there, if Jimmy Thompson is listening, uh, you know, you're a good Jimmy. Kid, Jimmy. Miss Guard's on the phone. You'll be fine. You can play in bed. It's all good. You can practice <laughs> while you're in bed. <laughs> exactly. After your ABCs, it's going to be some, you know, you know, you can play your Myth Guard that way. But uh, my man, Tune, this has been great. We do have some questions from the community for you. All right, so one of my favorite parts, uh, I know Mark loves this as well, is we go to the mailbag, essentially, which is we, uh, before we record it, we reach out to you via Discord, Twitter, uh, Reddit, and we say, hey, community, we're two idiots, but we have a much smarter guest than us. So we want to hear what you have to ask our much smarter guest. And in this case, Toonstar, top of the ladder, big dog on campus, because apparently dogs can go to college now, I don't know, but... Um, we've got questions for you, my friend. So if you're ready, we're going to start firing them. You let me know when you're good to go. Hey, go right ahead. I love hearing from everyone in the community. Mythgod community is probably one of my favorite gaming communities so far. All right. Well, uh, there he is. You're already at the top of the ladder. So there's a, there's, you don't need to kiss their ass, my friend. You're already good. number we're one gonna, in our books. We're going to have you read hate tweets <laughs> out loud. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah exactly. That's going to be a new segment. Maybe we'll have that tweets from the community. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. So the first question is, and I'm going to use my, I'm going to use my executive powers here. It's from me. Okay. And wow. I want to know. Yeah, I know. This is a total curveball out of left field, but my man, my man, Toonstar, watched your stream the other day, you know, followed your stream, subscribed to your stream. And I was welcomed to your stream and I became a fish. Can you please explain how I am a fish as being a, a fan of the show? <laughs> okay so this uh the fish thing has i think at least 10 years of backstory to it oh my god <laughs> as you guys know my screen name is toonstar 
uh, which is short for the Toonstar Master. And many, many years ago, I met an online friend who, the, upon first meeting us in a huge chat room with like 80 people, misread my name as the Tuna Star Master. And the fish theme stuck. And it's even funny when you consider that in Australia, my hometown is Port Lincoln. Uh, it is one of the biggest tuna producers in the world. It is home to the annual Tunarama Fest, which <laughs> hosts the Tuna Toss prime sporting game. What? And <laughs> Holy Lord. Oh, my Lord. What are you doing Keep over going. there, guys? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you, you just can't make up this stuff of how much of a coincidence all of this just happened to line up to. And, well, the fish theme has just stuck. There was a younger sister of a friend of ours who knew me as the fish guy. Uh, I would blub blub whenever I was Skyping with them. Like it's, it has been a thing for that many years now that I think it had to be a part of my stream and good for you, Flake. You are going to enjoy your life as a fish because if anyone, (laughs) if anyone has watched Finding Nemo, they remember the wise words of Bruce the shark, the fish are friends, not food. Oh my god! That was that was, the, that, was that answer was better than you could have possibly imagined. No, <laughs> I, I, I was expecting something like like I like fish, but screw it, I like fish. No, there's a whole there's a whole like tome. there's a festival. Of, yeah, there's a there's it's a <laughs> it's a festival miracle. Oh my god! Okay, listen. Um, so yeah, and I I will let everyone know that if you go and watch Toon Stars, uh, his stream, and you hit the follow button. He will welcome you in such a, a unique and wholesome way because it, he basically says, hey, uh, thank you for the follow, Flake. You are now a fish. And it's like, oh, this became a fish. Uh, all right. So that, that's, that's amazing. Thank you for leading off the mailbag in such a spectacular way. Next up. Here we go. Speaking of wholesome, we've got a question from a wholesome on Reddit. And he says, uh, he asked a bunch of questions. We're going to give you a few, of the, a few of them. But he has so many. Um, but here are some of them. He says, what made you push so hard to be the first champion? And how do you feel about red as a color in Mythgard? Oh, how do I feel about red? That's a tough one. I'm considering both of the decks that I climbed with, and I put in nearly 200 games on and included red as some variety. Um, I like red's identity of the color. I've always liked red. I was an it boy through and through for quite a while there in MTG. I love, uh, I love burn spells. I love going, oh, that's the creature pew oh you're nearly dead pew and we're just gonna play burn spells like that but we discussed what made me push so hard to be the first champ to begin with there and it's like i saw the opportunity i had the time spare i was coming off my work week as open beta launched and i had the time to just slam the game so i took it but i also knew from in alpha i did take i did take myself to first place on the alpha ladder at one point as well so i knew i had the ability to do it and just push there. Red, though, I, I, I like red. Red has issues, but all colors have issues. And luckily, we're a digital card game. We have the ability to fix issues over time. That's a great one. No, that makes sense. And I dig it. And that's uh, a great lean in into the other question, which is from Doggy House, also on Reddit. It says, we've heard you say that you're, you know, you've played CCGs for 17 years and that Mythgard the best digital CCG you've ever played. What attributes specifically make it so, and what improvements would you like to see down the road? 
Oh, improvements are just going to be a lot of quality of life features. So big improvement is always going to be tournaments. We discussed that. Big improvements, that one. Uh, the other big improvement is something that I already know is on the uh, roadmap, and that's the social aspect of card games. Anyone who's played a T uh, paper TCG knows how big that social aspect is. And uh, guilds, you can see them, see the section for them in the client. The devs have talked about them. I'm really excited to have and see what that happens. But as far as what makes Mythgard so good, uh, and it's twofold. First is the mana system that, as we discussed earlier, Noxus was raving about. It's just fantastic. There is no other mana system that I have played that gives you so much agency as a player. I can choose what cards in my hand. Like, I get a big opening hand, and I get to choose what cards I want to keep for a matchup and what I don't, and what need to become mana and what don't. I can never be mana screwed. I can freely combine all cards in my deck. Like, there's no situation where a bunch of combinations have a dual land and a bunch don't, which prioritize those. Um, it's just phenomenal. It really is fluid, and it's something that's only really possible with the way they've done it in the digital space. And, well, I hope they keep working on it. The second thing is the lane system. And who knew the thing that makes Mythgard the best is the two things that I find unique about it, or at least unique in the way that they've been done here. Uh, they're all um, playing a minion on the field, burning a card. They're both very minor actions. You're going to do them 20, 20 to 50 times throughout the game, but those minor decision points add up very, very quickly. And that's what gives this deck such a depth of play and a high skill ceiling. Even if the ability to learn to play the game is low, you, you can keep going up and up and up as you learn when to burn, when not to burn, where to play, when not to play. Like Sometimes the difference in winning a game and losing a game game comes to an interaction where you simply played a minion on the wrong spot and your opponent did not and at, at that point it becomes less about playing better than your opponent and not being the player to mess up yeah you're kind of you're kind of backpedaling at that point right so if if you like that was a good point like if if two turns ago or two or three turns ago i misplayed a unit uh on the wrong uh lane then uh, my opponent played their unit on the correct spot, like to where it could be beneficial to them. Now I'm backpedaling and I have to, I may have had an offensive plan, but now I have to scramble and figure out how to play defense because I screwed up two turns ago. Like that's the most unique thing in a card game I've ever seen. Lane prioritization and planning is such a, a unique element to this game. Whereas in games that look similar or act similar, um, I feel like it's borrowed from the right aspects because the fact that um, a that damage carries over from turn to turn is something that you know you see in other card games, but uh, the fact that there's lanes and you know you can attack freely without having to declare defenders and 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 such that makes lanes important as well versus just slamming it on a board and being able to go wherever you want to go. Um, yeah, these are great great elements and and uh, make the game unique and make the game enjoyable. So. Uh, got one more for you if you're if you're ready for this one, my friend. You're, we're gonna we're gonna give you a kind of an out of left field sandwich with the fish thing, and now we've got this one. So you ready for it? Always. <clears throat> All right, here we go. This one, I'm hoping pronouncing this correctly, but Casey Haddon. And does that ring a bell for you? Uh, not off the top of my head, but then again, most people's screen names change between platforms. Okay, well, there. This this question was essentially preluded with the fact that you guys go kind of way back 
uh, in type type of coffee element uh, or coffee background. And the question was, what is the one thing people should be doing? Uh, or sorry, what is one thing people should be doing with their coffee consumption that few actually know about or do? Ah, yes. Okay, so this this definitely comes from the Mythgard Discord. There have been a couple points of conversation regarding coffee where it has come up the fact that my day job is as a coffee salesman. I work with coffee machines and blends of coffee, and I love it. And the biggest thing as far as what coffee consumption that people should be doing and that just few actually seem to want to do is exactly the same thing as what we were discussing when it comes to picking what deck to play. Try everything and stick to the one you enjoy. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're drinking coffee for. You're going to hate it if it tastes awful. You've got to enjoy the cup of coffee you're getting. So that's definitely my number one thing is just find a way to enjoy it. And don't let anyone tell you that you're drinking it wrong because you're not. As long as you enjoy it, you're doing the right thing. Oh, my God. Mythgard is a cup of coffee. <laughs> It's just, oh my God, if, if you could just in like, you know, implement blackjack into it, you've got all of my addictions into yeah. it. Card games, <laughs> coffee, gambling, let's make it happen. I can have a giant, you know, just this enormous jamboree of things I love. Um, so I get sage advice. And as someone who drinks more coffee than he should, um, it's good to know. I am also a fellow barista at, or barista and you know that i've done i've done my my years working at uh, a coffee shop i uh i love coffee coffee's good coffee's life and that is some good advice like the coffee you like and uh screw the haters that's basically i mean that's, that's good good advice for most things right that's kind of the way the world ends up working unfortunately is that uh a lot of it's just human nature you just got to learn to enjoy ourselves gaming life work coffee pizza like you're allowed to have pineapple on your pizza if you really want oh wait that's gonna start a war so don't even like that's gonna start an internet right. war so yeah for those listening that was toonstar who said that you can leave yeah. your comments in the comment his, field his that's comments really are his own yeah are, he's his own man in this case now, but uh it's like you got Thank one more. You have one more. Wait, you have one more question. Oh, Remember? oh yeah. right. You have one more. Oh, my God. I completely forgot. Good call on this one. All right. Yes. Here's a, here's a good one, my friend. All right. This one, this one was, again, like I said, after hours, slid through under the door into my office that doesn't exist. So kind of just made it right at the buzzer. Here we go. This one from some random clown named Noah. You might have heard of him. <laughs> he says... Now that I've known you for a few years and dragged you along through different card games, even introducing you to Mythgard, is it fair to say that I'm truly the first champion player and that you are just, uh, and that you, Toonstar, are just Noah's vessel? Oh boy, so I've known Noah for, oh god, it's probably coming up on 10 years now, it's at least 9. Oh, we go way back. Um, met through Yu-Gi-Oh, obviously, originally. Uh, the long story thing about Noah is he gets involved in games. He loves games. And then he just spends 90% of his time surrounding the game instead of actually playing it. <laughs> like, I think he's got a, over like almost a thousand hours logged in Mythgard. And I reckon at least a hundred of those are actually playing the game. And the other 900, just all the content work he does with streaming. Uh, back when they used to run the MWO and everything. He's a good man. But no, Noah, you, you are not champion. That was me. <laughs> That's right. You, you smash him down. You put him in his place. But uh, 
in all seriousness, Noah does put a lot of work in to the, the game and the community. And um, at the time of this recording, MythHub is still not a thing. But I think we can, uh, you know, kind of put our, our, our intuitions together and suspect that it's probably coming soon. Because I know that a lot of people uh, in the community are kind of clamoring for something that MythHub will eventually give to them in droves. So uh, Noah, if you're listening, you are not his, you are not, you know, the, insp- you might be the inspiration, but you're not the execution of the greatness. So that's, that's just the truth that's coming out of Toonstar, the master himself. And it's been a sincere honor and pleasure, my friend, to have you on the show to teach us a little bit about what it takes to, you know, hit, uh, hit champion in record time and being the absolute first. And I guess one of those keys is to listen to Noah and drink ass loads of coffee. <laughs> And eat pizza. And any pizza. Uh, certainly. Uh, listening to good music helps as well. Yes. So make sure you're you know dialed into whatever the hell makes you happy. Be it Justin Bieber, ACDC, doesn't matter. If it gets you, your head bobbing and make it happen. Because I know the like we tune into What's Up Woody's stream sometimes and he's just he's got his Copacabana theme going on. He's got like all this 80s jam stuff. And you know, I, I can totally subscribe to that mantra. It's a pretty good one. But Sometimes I, I am subscribed to that mantra. I love yes, Woody. So am I. Yeah. Woody's great. We're gonna we're gonna get, we gotta him get on Woody this on this show. Yeah, we gotta get Woody on this show. <laughs> we gotta get Woody on the show because I, like I said, first of all, uh, and maybe this is all extra this is all extra jam to the show now because I mean all the Mythgard talk has been, you know, completely knocked out of the park. And again, I want to thank you, Tune, for for coming on the show. Um it, it seems like a common theme now that we always just mention Woody on the show because the guy is such a He's such a like I don't want to call him a cartoon because that's that has a negative connotation. But someone so happy and so jovial and so cheery and bringing joy to everybody is just awesome. So yeah. Woody, I know you're listening, buddy. Uh, just keep on. Oh, oh, congratulations to Woody because Woody is going to be a dad. He's going to yes, have his own right. little mini Tarzan running around. So yeah, <laughs> good for you, oh, buddy. Well, well, congrats! I didn't hear about this until yeah, he, today. He announced on his stream today. He, he was doing a giveaway for Mythgard. He announced it during his giveaway, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the giveaways is uh, his son. Yeah. <laughs> He's I like, hope not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wasn't planned, so we're doing an extra giveaway. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, he's, he's very, very ecstatic and super happy, and we're happy for him, so... My boy, Metro T, if you're out there. Thank Metro you so much. T. Uh, Metro T. Uh, all right. Listen, Toonstar, thank you so much. Again, it, they can never take that away from you, the fact that you were the first ever to reach Champions tier in Mythgard. And for those who want to get a little bit more of the Toonstar and maybe become a fish themselves, why don't you go ahead and tell us where we can find you and what you're up to? Uh, at the moment, you can find me streaming on Twitch at the Toonstar Master. I have a Twitter and I'm active on the Discord, essentially. Like, if you're on that Mythgard Discord, you'll run into me eventually. He's everywhere. Beautiful. Makes sense to me. Works out. I like it. I dig it. So, my friend, thank you very much again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and, uh, you know, happy trails um, wherever that may be. But it seems like you're at the end of the road for now. But, you know, there's going to be there's going to be some people on your tail soon. So grab your pizza, your coffee, dig in for another one and maybe little Jimmy Thompson has another idol to uh, put a poster up on his wall for it. But uh, cheers to you, my friend. And Mark. Yes, sir. Give us a rating. How many how many coffee beans out of 10 is this episode? I will 100% give 
the internet's gonna hate me. I'm gonna give this episode not only 10 coffee beans out of 10, but I'm also gonna give it 10 pineapples on my pizza slice out of 10. Uh, great episode. Yeah, of course, that could be and, misconstrued. I guess that could be misconstrued as the worst because people don't like pineapple. I don't know what the whole deal is, but <laughs> that's for them to decide. It's that's not for, for them us to decide. To, yeah, it's not. It's not for us to parse out. But uh, another great episode. And again, thank you again for uh, pushing all the buttons. Again, Mark is the hardest working son bitch on <laughs> the on the internet Please. when it comes to this kind of stuff. Please, so. I, it's, I do it for pleasure. It's gonna be great because you're gonna have a lot of stuff to edit out out of this one, my I friend. Know. Let me tell you that much. Lots <laughs> of polish and clean. So the way that you hear this podcast has been polished and put through the ringer at least once or twice. My name is Flake. This is the Boneyard. We'll catch you again for more Mythgard talk on behalf of myself and Mark Theus and our wonderful sponsors. Again, 98.3 Media, Ink to Gaming, Team Rankstar. Mark, you know our new one, right? What? Scope. <laughs> Oh, You've Scope, already yeah. lost it. <laughs> we lost the sponsor. You've already, lost, you've already <laughs> lost the sponsor. Well, it's been nice, Scope. Thanks a lot. Adios. But uh, most importantly to you guys, the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Because if it wasn't for you, we'd just be talking to ourselves, right? So we'll catch you next time for another episode of The Boneyard. <laughs>